This is the Talking Property Podcast, brought to you by Rewed.com, the home of WA Real Estate. Thank you for listening to Talking Property, the show in which we discuss all aspects of real estate. Now, here is your host, Harvey Deegan, together with our expert commentators, Rob Druitt and Rod Bryan. G'day everybody, welcome to Talking Property and our very special guest on this edition is Hayden Groves and Hayden is the President of the Real Estate Institute of Australia. Welcome along again Hayden, you're no stranger to our podcast. G'day Harvey, terrific to be with you once again and hello to you Rod and Rob, wonderful to be with you. Just wanted to ask you a general question about the federal election and what your expectations are on both sides of politics, Hayden? Well, we're pretty pleased with ourselves at the REIA at the moment, Harvey, because it's for the first time in two election cycles that we've got bipartisan support to retain the current taxation settings for negative gearing and capital gains tax. So it's been the first time in a couple of election cycles. Obviously, federal Labor in the 2019 election came to that election promising to make some changes to negative gearing laws, along with capital gains tax provisions, which of course really did put the brakes on the market in the lead up to that election. This time, of course, is very different. We have on good authority that the Labor Party are not interested in revisiting that that Mm -hmm. policy platform. (laughs) And so whilst I hear Rod sniggering in the background, perhaps about that, I personally have had the (laughs) from Jim Chalmers, the shadow treasurer, to say that they would not be revisiting that. It's because they finally get to understand that it, messing with negative gearing and capital gains tax disincentivizes investment. And 27% yeah. of all housing stock in Australia is mum and dad investors who are supplying the market with much needed rental stock. And vacancy rates around Australia are around 1% in every capital city. It's worse in some capital cities. Adelaide, 0.4%, for example. Jeez. And so you know, as soon as you take away incentivizing investment, into residential property, then all that happens is is that rents continue to rise, supply continues to tighten, and the very people that they're trying to help end up being impacted negatively, which of course is tenants. And so we don't think it's a good idea. We think we should keep those negative gearing provisions intact. Thankfully, we have bipartisan support for the first time in a couple of election cycles. So good news there on that front. Good news on that front. Is this possible to measure at all, Hayden, but with the background of an election campaign, have you noticed an increase in interest in people investing in the market and trying to become homeowners in this market? Or what quite often happens in an election campaign, people back off for just a little while until the election itself is over. Yeah, it's somewhat inevitable, Harvey, that they do back off, generally speaking, whether there's a good reason to back off or not. And at the moment, with both sides of politics not doing anything really significant in the property space other than positive, which has got bipartisan support. You might note that, of course, the Morrison government has recently extended under their budget, recently handed down in the parliament, extended the first home loan deposit scheme to a further 50,000 places, whereby, of course, first home buyers up to certain caps. And I note the Prime Minister just announced an increase in the Perth cap up to $600,000 is the maximum price that a first-home buyer can buy and with only a 5% deposit. Now, that's pretty exciting news. The Labor Party have been quick to say, yep, we'll support that. And why wouldn't they? It's actually a really good public policy for housing. 
And so, in fact, the policy settings going into this federal election are supportive of and continuing to support first home buyers and therefore the rest of the market as a result. Because, of course, as we know, first home buyers, they often buy properties that somebody is selling who moves up through the market. There's lots of positives in the lead up to this federal election. However, we are finding that there is, generally speaking, with federal elections around the corner, that buyers tend to just wait to see what the outcome is, whether <laughs> that makes a lot of logical sense or not. It does seem to be a bit of an outcome when people perhaps get a bit distracted and think, oh, well, it's a bit like Christmas, isn't it, Rob? And Rod, you know, when Christmas comes up, and we go, oh, let's wait until after Christmas and then we'll buy. Yeah. Or, let's wait until the, the kids have gone to school and then we'll have a look, you know. So there's when the federal election is often just a, a date in time that gives people the excuse to delay making this. Well, boys, I know you've got plenty of questions for Hayden. Well, first I'd like to congratulate Hayden. It's been a few months now, but well done, Hayden, being elected by your peers to be the National President of the Real Estate Institute of Australia. You certainly earned your stripes probably being one of the longest deputy presidents. How many years were you in that role? Thank you, Rob. Yes, seven years as deputy, seven, seven. years as bridesmaid. So I figured yeah. I about stepped up to the altar and made the commitment, made the vow. So yes, seven years as deputy, three different presidents that I served for and, and now very proud to take on the responsibility as a proud <laughs> West experience. Australian. And not, not many West Australians have been president of a national body, so I'm, I'm very pleased to be amongst a few. Well, Hayden, I think we've had four West Australian presidents of the national body over the years, over quite a period of time, back from Graham Joyce, Karina Ballard, John Franklin, and more recently, David Airy. So it's great to see West Australia so well represented. And I was quite fascinated on a recent trip to Melbourne for First National to talk to our friends from New Zealand that the market in Auckland is retreating, changed quite a bit. It has had a very long run. Just wondering from a national perspective, particularly on the East Coast, are they feeling that the market's starting to run out a bit of steam in particularly Sydney and Melbourne? Rob, there are some other reasons why the Auckland market has pulled back, mostly to do with their government financial policies. So they introduced a regulation for their lending practices in New Zealand in a deliberate attempt to cool the market whereby investors in real estate had to come up with 40% of the deposit in order to participate. Good way to cool the market. Good way to cool the market. Now, of course, the result was instantaneous. And so <laughs> once investors left the market, because investor numbers in New Zealand were sort of approaching 40% of the entire buyer pool, which is pretty significant and kind of in line with what's going on in the Sydney market, the New South Wales market more broadly. So yes, that sort of lever action from economic sense and financial sense did cool the market in Auckland more or less overnight. And it has caused a bit of a problem because as soon as you start going to reverse property markets, that people start to lose confidence in the property market. And even though the rest of the fundamentals might be quite strong, investors stay away and look at alternate vehicles to invest their money in. I think the parallel to the East Coast markets is valid. You know, Sydney market's grown more than 30% for two years on the trot. You just can't keep doing that. Eventually, the market runs out of steam. Yeah. I mean, we've started to see maybe some talk about interest rates, and perhaps we can talk about that later in the show, about what you think the interest rates might do, effect on the overall Australian market over the next 12 months. Yeah, thanks, Rob and Hayden. We're going to need to take a break, and I know, Rod, you've got plenty of questions for our special guest, Hayden Groves, when we return. Find your next home in WA the easy way with the Rewa.com app. Keep the WA property market in the palm of your hand. Download the Rewa.com app today from the App Store or Google Play. 
With the Rewa.com app, you can find your next home with all the latest properties right at your fingertips. Download the Rewa.com app today. The latest properties in WA are there right at your fingertips. So find the local agent, the right local agent for you by using the Rewa.com app to search and compare real estate agents in WA. We here at Talking Property are very, very proud that Rewa.com are our major supporters. Welcome back to our Talking Property podcast and our very special guest is Hayden Groves. He is the current president of the Real Estate Institute of Australia. Now, Rod Ryan, I know you're chomping at the bit to ask a few questions. Hayden, you know, I've always been a a bit of a fan of Hayden, of course, and seen what he's done. But it's interesting because it must be a hard job with what you've got there because you're trying to do something over the whole country where there's all different markets in different pockets in different, you know, even in, in every state. So I know, for example, myself here in Perth, there's a lot of unanswered questions in a lot of ways. Like if I was going to put my property on the market at the moment, I'm saying to myself, there's every chance that my property could go up 20% in the next 12 months. But I'm also saying to myself, there's every chance it could come back a bit because if interest rates go up and cost of living goes up, that could have quite a big effect on it. There's just so many different scenarios that I see at the moment. I feel that rental properties, I think if, you know, there was 132 changes to the Residential Tenancies Act in Victoria. And what that's done is that that's made a lot of mum and dad property owners decide that they don't want to be involved in that side of the business. So if they're going to vacate that part of the business, the government's going to have to come in and put up the money to buy the houses for the people to rent. You've then got the opposite thing happening where you've got huge big buildings opposite the Victoria market, big twin tower places being built, but it's all owned by one organisation that are renting them all out. So you've got all these different factors and anomalies in the real estate market, and it's very hard for for people to work it out. And I've been doing it for 50 years, and I'm just totally confused as to where the market is, where it's going, what's happening. So for you, it must be extremely difficult to be able to try to work out what levers you've got to pull to get things happening. Did that make any sense at all? I'm just saying I'm totally confused as to where the market is going here in Australia. Plus, you've got a war going on that could sort of really make things a little bit different as we go. So I don't know how to decipher it all at the moment, to be quite honest. I know builders that are are very busy concreters, but they haven't got any work this week because there's no new work. There's no new starts. Builders in Western Australia going into liquidation. I see land prices coming back because no one really wants to touch building at the moment. And so again, there's all of these different scenarios going on. And it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on some of those things. Yeah, thanks. Right. I think you're right. And you've touched on several matters there that that does make it pretty difficult to predict the direction of the Australian property market. I'll pull out one of them you mentioned, of course, which is the residential tenancies laws in Victoria. Those changes that were introduced by the, the state government in Victoria has certainly seen a mass exodus from the rental market there from an investor's perspective. Yes. Especially affordable stock, you know, mum and dads who bought maybe an apartment off the plan a while ago yeah. in Victoria and Melbourne and haven't probably had a very good, they haven't seen a lot of capital growth for that particular sort of an asset class in Melbourne in recent years. And so now that they've introduced these ridiculous draconian laws that heavily favour the tenant, 
and a, a significant overreach. You know, tenancy laws in this country need to be balanced. As I said earlier, 27% of all housing stock in Australia is owned by private investors, and 3% of all housing stock in Australia is social housing provided by largely state governments. Yes. And unfortunately, what there's been in recent times is a push to try to keep tenants in their homes for longer. And part of that push has been erroneously decided by the powers that be. The solution to that sort of an issue is to make it harder for landlords to say to a tenant, look, the, the lease is coming to an end and I'd like to find myself a new tenant. If that's okay, thank you very much, off you go. Taking away that right, which is one of the fundamental changes that's occurred in Victoria, has caused landlords to say, you know what, it's too hard now. I don't really have any control over my asset anymore. I'll put my money in my superannuation fund or I'll buy into a business or I'll buy a commercial property or whatever else you might do with your money. So I think that's a real problem. Part of the solution proposed is obviously these rent-to-buy schemes that you mentioned the, the Queen Victoria market sites there. That is touted as being a bit of a saviour for a rental affordability in this country. I can tell you now that that's not going to be the case. Preliminary research undertaken by the REIA in this space, looking at the American market in particular, where rent-to-buy schemes are a very strong part of that market, it doesn't provide more affordable rentals. What you'll find is these big corporations will build these towers self-manage them, a bit like shopping centres type things. They rent gouge. They, they get as much rent as they possibly can for a return on their investment, which you expect them to do. Yep. And they don't tend to build these things in affordable areas. They build them in prime locations like the Queen Victoria markets, and they can command a significant rent as a result. Mm. So that doesn't help with rental affordability whatsoever. And so rent-to-buy schemes will impact, but I don't think it'll help rental affordability. But now back to your broader question, right, about where the market is heading I think the Sydney market is probably peak. Can't imagine that we'll see it really collapse, even though there might be interest rates rises coming this calendar year and inflationary pressures along with that. I don't think that we'll see the Sydney market go into reverse. If it does, it'll be maybe it'll come back by, say, 3%. It's just as likely to go up by 3%. We won't see double digit growth in Sydney. Yeah, 30%. No, we won't see double digit growth. Melbourne would be an interesting one. You know, Melbourne, the most locked down city in the world during COVID years, is probably going to hold its line a bit better, I think. But the overcooked markets like Adelaide and Hobart, I think those markets are probably going to come back a bit harder. It doesn't make any sense to me, love it, Hobart as I do, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that its median house price in Hobart is $150,000 higher than Perth's. When you consider mm. that their average earnings in Hobart is $200 a week less than what it is in Perth. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that mm. you know, the second highest paid per capita state in Australia, being Western Australia, in terms of our wages, our average wages, we are still the most and enviably most affordable capital city in Australia by some margin, both in the rental and ownership stakes. And that's why I think the Perth market will be the one to watch for the rest of this calendar year. All indicators are that whilst we might see some negative impacts due to interest rate rises, we are, as I said earlier, enviably more affordable. We are paying some 20% less to service our mortgages of our gross incomes, our family incomes, to service our mortgages. In New South Wales, they're paying 46% of their income to service their mortgage on average. Here, we're paying 26%. So we are by far the cheapest place to buy residential real estate. And I think and our rents are, are strong. Our yields are and have been for a long time, far superior to the Melbourne and Sydney markets. And so Perth's the one to watch. I think we could do double digits this year. 
which will be higher than the rest of the nation. Without trying to hog things, the other thing, just very quickly, if I was running Australia, so to speak, as far as housing is concerned, the first thing I'd be doing is I'd say, we've got a word called decentralisation. And what we've got to do is we've got to go and put some of these government organisations and put them in regional areas and get them out of the city and try and therefore get young families and so on that employment base to move into those regional areas instead of trying to have them try and compete in the inner city, you know, trendy side of things where prices are just literally through the roof. You know, the decentralisation doesn't seem to be something that the government is interested in. I just find it hard to believe that that's the case because that's an obvious one to me. A block of land's a hell of a lot cheaper in, in the, the Shepparton's of the world in Victoria or, or York, for example, in Western Australia than what it is trying to be in Subiaco. That to me is an obvious one. So why doesn't the government try and move some of these government organisations and employment bases into the regional areas? That to me would be a positive move to do with housing affordability. I absolutely agree, Rod. It's always been about making sure that we've got enough jobs for people in those regional yeah. areas. And if you and if you do create the jobs by moving departments into these larger regional areas, then inevitably housing investment does follow. You end up with good, solid communities in our regional areas, which are generally yes. more affordable than the cities. Hayden, it's been a real pleasure and a privilege having you on Talking Property. Really quickly, whilst you're the president, you've still got a business to run, and that's Death Ridge Groves down in Freo. How's that going for you, mate? And do you have much time to spend there yourself? Look, not a lot in recent <laughs> times, to be honest, Harvey, but I'm quite pleased that when I did return from my recent interstate trip that I got back here and it was still here, DG, real estate in Freo, and we're still doing pretty well. Hard to get stock, as I think every real estate agency would like more stock to sell at the moment. But our projects are going very well and rent rolls are holding up pretty nicely. And my staff are brilliant, so I'm very lucky. Oh boy, Rob and Rod, we got through a lot of interesting information there with Hayden Groves. Look, I'm just wondering if we can entice Hayden back on our next episode of Talking Property. I hope you'd agree, boys, because we've still got plenty more questions we can ask him. That would be great because, yeah, I've got a lot of other things I'd like to ask Hayden about perhaps some of the coordination of the states on the national side of things. And now's the time to push for that, I guess, with the federal election coming up. And, of course, we recently had national awards. So it'd be interesting to hear how that uh, transpired around the country and who some of the award winners were. What about you, Rod? Yeah, I'd like to sort of see his thoughts in regard to some of the concerns regarding building some of the mm. companies that are getting themselves into trouble and if there's anything that could be yes. done to maybe try and even that out would be good. Yeah. So there's quite a bit, Harvey, that we could talk to Hayden about. So I think we should get him back on another show. Talking Property can be heard on a number of podcasting platforms, including Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Anchor, and many more. Whatever podcast platform you prefer to ensure that you're notified of new episodes of Talking Property, just press the subscribe button. Thank you for listening to this podcast of Talking Property with Harvey Deegan, Rob Jewett and Rod Ryan.